We are in Romans chapter 13 today. Please um, get your Bibles, get your devices. You are going to need to follow along with me today. Uh, you need to see those words in the Word of God, and then we will unpack them together. In Romans chapter 13 is really interesting because uh, it really talks about learning to be submissive to uh, the authorities that the Bible says that God has placed over us. And my question today is, do we just always follow the authorities that God has placed over us, or all authority, or is there a time to resist those authorities? I've got a really interesting question to pose to you. That a, a, a historical event that didn't happen that long ago, when you really put it in context. How is it that where 98% of the population in Germany were Christians, did the Holocaust happen? How is it that 98% of the population of Germans allowed the Holocaust to happen? There were many um, preachers in the day that would quote Romans chapter 13. And yet we know that four to six million Jews not only Jews, homosexuals, people with disabilities, anybody deemed unpure or not of the superior race, were euthanized, killed. So my question again goes, how is it that we're 98% of the population? Because I think all of us looking back on that would say that was probably not right, correct? That was not right. But for some reason, the, the German government had the ability, the, the Nazi regime had the ability to isolate, dehumanize, separate people in society and say they're a risk to everybody else. Well, you just back this up to 1994. It wasn't just in the 40s, Nazi Germany, but... The genocide in Rwanda be, between the Hutus and the Tutsis, right? You, you just have to look a little bit back to 1994. I was there in that country several years after the genocide, and I walked through churches where bones and tight skin were left on those bones, where people who had been killed. And yet, for some reason, the governmental authorities at the time, which were the Hutus, begin to say the, the, the Tutsis were, um, who were a minority where there was something evil about them and something wrong about them and they isolated them and neighbors started killing neighbors and how could that happen? Well, here in New Hampshire, we would say that would never happen to us. That would never happen to us. Yes, we do have our motto, live free or die, and um, I love that. We have those in, in the uh, free staters who like, don't tread on me, you know, flags. But is there a place to submit to governmental authorities? For sure. The Bible says we're going to go there. But is there a time and a place where we would have to say that that's not right and we're not going to submit? Let's read Romans chapter 13 because honestly, it's, 
If you put it just in Romans chapter 13 and you don't put it in the whole context of God's word, it can make you think that all we have to do is just listen to what our governing authorities do, good or bad, and just follow them, and that would be pleasing to God. But let's read this together. Let every person, verse 1, chapter 13, Romans, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists God, what, had, what has God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for you, uh, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, the avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, extending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. There are three institutions that God has ordained. They're all throughout scripture and time. There are only three institutions that God has ordained. The first one is marriage and family, and we see that in Genesis. God has instituted and ordained marriage. We see the second one, church. God has instituted and ordained the church to function as a spiritual community, caring for one another and, and instructing in God's word and worshiping him. And the third one that God has instituted, the institution that is God-ordained is governmental, civic government. So we can't just say, throw out the government, because God has instituted it. But we read in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, that, that governors or those who lead us are sent to punish evil and to praise those who do good. So their, their purpose, and we read this in Romans chapter 13, it is, if you're doing evil, you should be afraid of the governmental authority because they will, there's laws, right? And you will reap the repercussions of those broken laws. But it also says that, that we are to, they are to do good for the people of which they govern. We see that God used somebody like Joseph, right, the prince of Egypt, who uh, was, was the governor of the, the, the most powerful country of the time, Egypt, and, and he used him in an instrumental way to preserve a whole group of people, right? So there's good governance there. And we are to honor those that God has placed in authority over us. And I think when he says honor, even when we say that, that's the last verse of that Romans chapter 13, verse 7. And I believe when we say honor, I think there's something that God is chasing down in our hearts. I want us to think about this uh, of whether we 
honor and serve and respect the governing authorities and or the time that we resist, a lot God always has a, to do with a heart condition. I think if we are only just about to say, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes and forget the governing rules of the land, you'll pay the price for that. And likewise, if all you do is just say, I, I, I don't care what our governing authority does, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just to blindly follow them, and I would say that would be equally wrong as well. You have to begin to look at what um, God has purposed for us, but also some stories of what has taken place, some historical accounts to see what the big picture is as it relates to this Romans chapter 13. In the Old Testament, you see Samuel, a prophet who opposes King Saul because of his pride. Here he resists Saul, the king, the authority of the land of the time. Or Nathan, remember Nathan, David's friend, who resists David because of his his infidelity with Bathsheba. Or how about Esther, who becomes uh, close in proximity to King Xerxes when, when he's getting ready to wipe out a population, a group of Jews, and yet Esther comes and resists and pleads. Or how about Daniel? Daniel, who, who was in exile, by the way, in Babylon, and was faithful. He was in leadership, governmental leadership, until until the time that he was asked to bow down to an idol, and, and Daniel goes, no, I'm not doing that. And he pays the price for it. He goes, you know, Daniel in the lion's den, right? But God preserved him in that, that moment. Or how about this one in the New Testament when John the Baptist confronts Herod for his adultery? Well, we don't like the end of that story because John the Baptist ends up getting beheaded. Um, for his resisting the governmental authority at the time. How about Jesus himself, who evades the direct questions of Pontius Pilate before his crucifixion? And where there's direct questions, he kind of sideskirts it, and is Jesus coming under authority at that point in time or not? Or how about Peter, um, after preaching the gospel and then he's imprisoned for it, he says this, we must obey God and not men. We must obey God and not men. Then we read in Hebrews chapter 11, a whole list of people who seem to be resisting governmental authorities, and yet they're listed in the people of faith column. And so... When we read this, we read this chapter in Romans chapter 13, it says, you know, we're supposed to be subject to all governing authorities, and, and yet when we're subject, we're pleasing to God. And it could be used and justified by actually very corrupt individuals to say, you need to follow me blindly, governing authorities, that is, because it is the right thing to do. Obviously, in Germany in the 40s, something happened that 98% of the population believed what was taking place was all right. We're thankful for people who didn't go down that road and, and hid the Jews and resisted that. But it, but it made me think, how, how could we get there? And is it possible that we could get there as a population again today?
St. Thomas Aquinas, who was a 13th century theologian and friar, a friar is um, somebody who's given themselves to a religious order, says this, tyrannical governance is unjust since it is ordered to the private good of the ruler. It's interesting, he makes this distinction. Not to the common good, and so such disturbance of such governance does not have the character of rebellion. In other words, when people resist the government, that's not rebellion. When the leaders are looking for something to satisfy themselves or to fulfill their own pride or power, it goes on to say this. It doesn't have the character of rebellion, but rather the tyrants who seek greater domination incites discontent and rebellion and those subjects to them are the, rebel, are the rebels. The people who would want to oppress. I'm often thinking about that as you're looking in Afghanistan today, the Taliban who are there. They are vicious, horrific, um, fear-mongering people who want to control and dominate And good Christians, are we just supposed to follow that all authority is God-ordained and therefore we must submit to it? And I would say no. I, I do believe there's a distinction of when you are and when you aren't. And I think, how do you discern that? That's the big question, right? Because you, you do not want anarchy. We are a country of laws and laws are important to be followed, And we are responsible to those laws as long as they don't um, subvert God's laws. See, God's law is the ultimate law. If somebody were to say, hey, we want you to go out and murder somebody, you would say, no, no, God says, thou shalt not murder. If the laws of the land were changed to that and to say, obviously I'm making something pretty extreme here, but you'd say, no, that, that's not what God is saying. I'll give you another example though. Maybe it's, well, I guess it is murder. Um, abortion. When we have laws of the land that say that is okay, and for us as believers, we believe in the sanctity of life that God has ordained all life and the taking of life is only for God to do, then we would say, you know what, we're going to resist it. But the way that we resist it in our political system is we will fight to have laws changed, right? We would fight to have laws changed. And so there's a good example of how we resist something that is contrary to what um, God's word says and what is on God's heart. But the question is, how do we discern? And, and this is what I'm going to talk about today. And I think it is important that we consider these things in the times that we live. Number one, how do we discern whether or not we need to resist or obey the governing authorities above us? One, I would say you need to know the word of God and stay true to it. You need to know the word of God. I guarantee you, if you don't know the word of God, it's really easy to be fooled into believing something is true that's not true. You need to understand what the word of God says. If you have not developed a habit of being in God's word on a daily basis, I would encourage you to do that. Number two, 
I would say the way that you are, have that discernment, actually it's a spiritual gift, the gift of discernment by the Holy Spirit. And so I would say this, ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then ask for the gift of discernment. You need to begin to see where, because you have to understand what are the motivations of those that are ruling over you to discern if it's godly or if it's not. Number three, well, actually, I guess two and three are kind of put in there. I put number three is, number two, I said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then number three, I said, ask to be, ask for the discerning of spirits, right? Ask for the discerning of spirits. I kind of combine both of those. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. And by the way, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor, and um, he was an anti-Nazi dissident, which basically he resisted the Nazi movement. And he died in 1945 in a concentration camp in Germany. But this is what he says. We must finally stop appealing to the theology to justify our reserved silence about what the state is doing. Theology is the understanding of God, by the way. So he's saying we must finally stop appealing to understanding God, and I would say the misunderstanding of Romans chapter 13. That we just blindly obey governing authorities. to justify our reserved silence about what the state is doing. For that is nothing but fear. Open your mouth for the one who is voiceless. For who in the church today still remembers that that is the least of the Bible's demands in, in times such of these, is to remember the least of these. I want to go back to the heart a little bit because there are two groups here that are going to listen to this message. They're going to say, yes, did you hear him? That means we can resist the government. Don't tread on me. Live free or die. And you get emboldened by it and away you go. The other group is kind of like, Pastor, you're encouraging people to break the law. Don't do that. <laughs> I want you to be clear, I'm not encouraging anybody to break the law. But the other part of you is like you're the ruler follower, right? You're just by personality and you're, you're like, I don't feel comfortable with this whole idea of, of resisting. I, I just want to be a rule follower. And, and can we just kind of get everything back to normal and just do everything that everybody says and we'll get back and we'll be, fo we'll be fine. Be the rule follower. And again, both of those are extremes, and I would say they're both, they're both wrong. You're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have to go back to the heart of what the gospel is, which is we know from Romans chapter 12, right? We know the marks of a Christian is how we care for and love one another. If you forget the core and the essence of what that is, you, you will take what I am saying and go to either extremes, and you're still talking about justifying a position, and you forget about the heart of what Jesus is all about in his kingdom. 
You see, you can get so worked up about um, all the things that people are doing wrong and our freedoms that are being taken if you, want, if you are in that camp, right? If you're in that camp, you can, you can see all the freedoms that are being taken and, and, and we need to resist, we need to resist. But if you forget that you have a neighbor that maybe needs some help and, you, and you're blind to the needs of the least of these around us, you've missed the mark. We can so be so fervent about resisting and resisting that we forget uh, that we need to care for one another, that we need to love one another. And vice versa, we can just say, hey, just obey, just obey the government, just, just do what they say. We just need to, and if you forget the fact that there are people around you who are suffering, who are um, even fearful, And if you're not bringing the spirit of Christ into the middle of that to bring peace and comfort and care for one another, we have missed the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would say this, you know, we we can get so busy preparing for what's to come or what's not to come, or we're so preoccupied with the joys and pleasures of this world. By the way, uh, this is an interesting side fact, but... It shows the times that we're in. Do you realize that the average time that uh, a country remains a superpower or a powerful country is about over 30, sorry, 3,000 years they've marked any rise of any great nation? 250 years before the, the fall of a nation. It follows the same cycle, the same cycle of progression of, I think there's a couple things in there of pioneering and then there's uh, commerce, but it ends with decadence. It ends with decadence, which is defined as um, seekers of pleasure, being entertained, sporting activities. Um, The reduce of uh, faith is a good mark of that. This, this era of decadence, and by the way, people, di- lots of disagreement, and there's cynicism in the culture. That's an era of decadence. And then right before you're in the era of decadence, a, a great nation falls. Where are we as a nation in that cycle? Little side thing. Really wasn't completely relative, but it just shows that we're in an in a, in a interesting time, in an interesting time. But we have to go back to understanding what Romans chapter 13 and understanding submitting to authority goes back to your heart. When he says honor authority, I I think it's important that you still honor authority even if you don't agree with them. There's something that happens in your heart that postures your heart because if you can go into the, the become the rage monster of all the injustices and inequities, it is going to make you do things that's going to take away your freedom. Now, there's a time to resist. Like I do believe the, the church in Germany should have resisted and should have seen. I, again, I don't have all the parts and pieces to that, but when I heard and saw that 98% of their country was Christian and yet this could happen, it made me think, could this happen to us? If it could happen to them in the 40s, could this happen to us that somehow we marginalize groups of people and we somehow uh, dehumanize them and somehow uh, make them a, a cancer to society and then it justifies the ability of mistreating people? 
And I would say, no, that's not right. And I think as Christians, we need to stand up for that. But we need to stand up in a way that it would be honoring to Jesus, which is that we love, that we pursue justice, that we pursue righteousness, and that we pursue holiness, and that we need to go after the things that are important to Jesus. And I would say, this is the important thing to Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. So before you get too worked up about this message, you want to go back to how well am I loving my neighbor? How well am I pressing into the things of God? How well am I connected to the Holy Spirit? Because if you're not connected to the Holy Spirit, your flesh is going to react and respond. Your flesh is going to either put you in a place of like fight or your flesh is going to be like, I don't want the fight. I want peace. And just, I want to just like cruise on through life. But when the Holy Spirit might say, like Peter, who was preaching and imprisoned by it, he wasn't bothered by it. He was saying, you know what? I follow God, not man. I follow God, not man. I want to, I just know that a message like this can be left with a lot of tension for you or a lot of maybe even disagreement with what I'm saying. But you're not going to go wrong by doing these two things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Three things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be in God's word. And then ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and discern the times that we live in. Discern the times. For you to do that, though, it's going to mean you're going to have to change some of your habits. It's going to change some of the things that you utilize your time on. You're going to begin to start saying, how do I fit reading the Bible into my daily life? You are going to say that, like, how do I be intentional about praying? and seeking God and asking the Holy Spirit to help me to discern the times that we live in. Two things I know are not of God. If you're riddled with fear, that's not of God. And if you're feeling fear, that means you just need to get closer to God and His Word and by the Holy Spirit so faith can begin to rise in you. Difficult times will require Christians to be full of faith and full of hope in the midst of tribulation. And I believe that this church can be that church. When people are running to the hills and when people are, are concerned and fearfully just like doing whatever, there's going to be an assurance and a hope and a peace about you that people will want to be around you because of it. They're going to say, what do you have that I don't have? And you're going to talk about who Jesus Christ is in your life. To be clear, we're a country of laws. I want you to follow those laws unless they go against God's law. If they go against God's law, you can resist. You can say, that's not right. 
and you don't have to follow it. Be of good cheer, church. Though you might struggle in this world, you can have hope that our future is bright. We know the end of this story. And those who are faithful to Jesus are victorious to the end. You don't have to be afraid. Who knows what the future holds? I don't know what the future is, but I do know that our world continues to get a little bit turned upside down. Wrong is right, right is wrong. Wars, rumors of wars, storms, earthquakes. Kind of sounds like it could be some end time scenarios, but I don't know. But what I do know is Jesus wants us to stay faithful to him. Love your neighbor as yourself. Welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Mark, and I just want to say thank you for taking the time to join us in watching our services online. Maybe you can't be at our location today and you're watching this from home or on the road. We just want to say thank you for tuning in. And maybe you can't get to a physical location at Grace Capital Church, then this becomes part of your regular routine to do church live on your computer or on your device. We want to say, invite some friends with you. Do church together. Life is so much better together and discovering what God has for us is meant to be done in community. Gather people together and enjoy these services for weeks to come. Thank you for watching.